Hello and welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I am here with Pastor Dave Rudot, and today's show is brought to you by Cold. It's everywhere. Get over it. And so did, now did with- Did you know why the cow jumped over the moon? Why did the cow jump over the moon? Because the farmer's hands were cold. The- what? Rim shot. Oh. Rim shot. There you go. There you go. We'll just add that little bit right there. He, he likes the rim shot. We'll, we'll probably introduce that later on in the show. He'll make a comment. We'll give a rim shot for it. As we get together for our show today, though, uh, we are continuing our conversation on the book of Leviticus. We are now into, well, into the book of Leviticus. We are dealing with, um, what is it, 8 through 10 today? 8 through 10, yeah. All right, so um, before we have an opportunity to, to deal with 8 through 10 and and sort of talk about what the Lord is, is sharing with us and what Christ is presenting of himself here uh, in the pages of Leviticus, we do want to have a disclaimer. And so I'm going to hand that over to my cohort in crime and fellow podcastee-er, host, person? Guest. Guest, yes, guest, because he's he's his own guest on his own show. He's taken over the podcast, <laughs> and I am I am now just the technician behind the scenes. So yeah, we're talking about priests today and the divine worship and the ordination and the penalty for disobedience today. But if there is something we say, if there even if there is a joke that you find offensive, <laughs> he was just waiting for that. <laughs> even if that. Uh, we uh, sincerely apologize. We're we are actually just uh, wanting to have a, com- a conversation with you on something and and to get into your ears and into your lives uh, with God's word and talking about Jesus. But we are also letting you in on two pastors having a good time uh, talking back and forth, and so maybe we'll say things that were we. A thought that wasn't quite thought out yet, just throwing something up against the wall because we're having a conversation between two pastors. And uh, so everything we say may not be our final opinion or may not even be the opinion of the church bodies in which we are part of. Um, But if there is something that uh, troubles you, offends you, or something of that nature, please feel free to reach out to us and uh, talk to us. That's really the goal of this podcast is to have a conversation with you, dear listener. So our email address is castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can also talk to us in person and you can groan. You can come up to me and just groan in front of my face and I will know it was because of the awesome joke that I just told. Just just so you know, make sure he has his phone recording so we can get that groan on MP3 and we can put it into the live show. Right, right. So, <laughs> So I guess we are on our way to our topic for today. I'm really uh, appreciating going through the book of Leviticus. In fact, so much that I am actually putting it as a Bible, our next Bible class. I talked to our Bible class uh, last uh, this past week. We've been actually looking at Bible translations in Bible class just because our congregation uh, kind of missed that whole dialogue that churches were going through uh, eight years ago about what translation to use. They didn't have that. So we were going through that translations and they said, well, what should we study next? And I said, how about Leviticus? Just because uh, the whole reason is if somebody is reading the Bible, uh, Leviticus is the third book, usually the book that people uh, fade out. If, it, if, if, if there's a book that would get you discouraged from reading the Bible from cover to cover, Leviticus might be that book. But it is an awesome, fascinating book when you dive into it. So I really appreciate it. So uh, we're starting a Bible class called Silhouettes of the Savior, and we're actually not going to be going through the book chapter by chapter, but just looking at various concepts. Um, Which is I'll, a good way to approach the book of Leviticus, I think, is is so you don't, and, and I'm not saying don't read it cover to cover, read the book of Leviticus, but don't get bogged down, and, and this is maybe a good time for us to, to kind of look at, at what we're talking about here today, don't get bogged down by the minutiae 
and and really look at it as this is the process, the process by which God is serving his people and bringing his grace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm really, there's I see a lot of connections between um, our service and what we do in our worship service to what happens in chapters 8 to 10 today, uh, beginning with the consecration of the priests. Yeah, I, I would even say that... that um, a lot of what we have for the uh, ordination, so the installation of a of of a pastor, um, but I would even broaden it out and just say that the the very in, and I'm going to use this word ordination of the priesthood of all believers. So what we have in the waters of baptism uh, really come out here, especially in chapter eight, um, where we look at the process of what not the each individual part, but the, the process as a whole of what God is doing to set the um, Aaron and his sons apart to be these workers in the church um, is kind of an amazing thing. Um, and, and, I, and I think it just harkens back more and more and more as I read it to um, what is it that the Lord gives in the waters of baptism um, as he, he does these very same things for us as he did for Aaron and, and his sons to, to set them apart to to serve the Lord, um, so I don't know where you want to start. I I guess I I underlined Go ahead start. Well, I underlined my my you know uh, the starting point for me was uh, in verse six where we're okay. So we have this command where we're we're now the priests have to be ordained. They have to have to start this work. But the very first thing that that Moses does in verse six is he washes them with water, and he clothes them in something new. Uh, and I thought that was super amazing because now we're starting to get, you, you get this beautiful connection to baptism, right? What does baptism do? It clothes us in Christ, puts on something new, right? Um, and, and then and the process of what he's going to do is it's not just, okay, washing now connects other things and it connects sacrifice that, that and, and connects them to a sacrifice. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I think this, the idea of washing, it all starts with washing. Yeah, all starts with God's activity on you. So I, I think uh, we've mentioned this before in the podcast, how it's not that we do something for God first and then God responds, but all everything that we are doing is in the sphere of what God has already done for us. So just the washing, the reminder to the Israelites and to, to Aaron and to the priests, uh, they are entering into something. God is bringing them into something, uh, just as in our baptism God is bringing us into everything. Every worship service begins with a reminder of our baptism. God has done the first thing, bringing us into his family um, through this special act. And now we re- now we respond. Now we're brought closer to him, and now we're, we're free to serve. Well, and, and I think he does even, I mean, and, and like I said, it's, this is the process because they're not ordained just because they were washed. I mean, there's this continual process, and, and you see this in the, in the whole theology and doctrine of, of baptism as the means of grace. It's not just, let's throw water on you, right? Um, what is it that Paul says that, that baptism now saves you, not the, uh, or that's Peter, sorry, not just the removal of, of dirt from the body, but the, the make him a clear conscience, right? Um, what we see here, and in, in Paul would even say baptism puts us into Christ. We die with him and we rise again with him, book of Romans. Um, and you see that playing out here in the pages of Leviticus. So they are washed, they're clothed in something new, and then there's the sacrifice on their behalf. That that washing links them now to this sacrifice, and placed upon this new clean self is the blood of the sacrifice. Um, and I thought that was really cool, uh, where, where in verses 23 through 25, 24, end of 24, you have... Um, the, the blood being put on the right lobe, being put on the right thumb, and being put on the right toe. And, and you might just read that and be like, that's really silly. Well, what's going on? The blood of the sacrifice put on the right ear so that they are able to hear holy things. Right on the right thumb that they're able to handle holy things. On the right toe that they're going to stand in the holy place. And that, that this sin offering that has now been accepted by the Lord on their behalf um, has now been accredited to them and changed who they are. So they're, so like I said, this is a process. This is not, this is not a, um, we did this one thing and now they go. No, it's, it's, they were washed. 
they their their sins were taken away through this this offering. They are made into something else through this process. And we we go back to the to, to baptism, and isn't that exactly what the Lord does? He he washes us with water, but connected with His Word, we are then clothed with Christ. We are made into something else. Our our ears become capable of hearing holy things. Our hands are capable of doing holy things and interacting with the holy. And then our our feet are able to stand in front of the Lord and His altar, and we are able to participate and, and stand on this holy ground. Um, it is just a beautiful connection here in, in chapter 8 that I that I kind of saw. I, I don't know what your thoughts were on, on chapter 8. Those were my thoughts as well. I just, uh, my only thought was, uh, only thought in addition to what you just said was the, the fascination with, well, why doesn't God do the whole thing? Like, why doesn't he just pour a bunch of blood all over them so that they're just dripping in blood where it's just... Because he does that with Jesus. <laughs> That that Paul says that he says we've been clothed with Jesus, so so Jesus blood all over, over you, all over you. Yeah, <laughs> it it um just a reminder, like Isaiah when he has a vision and he realizes he's a sinner and he he's among uh, a, bu- a bunch of people with unclean lips. The angel comes and puts a coal on his on his lips. Not not necessarily. It, you would think, well, in our symbolism, it should be the whole body that should be cleansed because the whole body is sinful. But just to, that reminder of this is God communicating to us, but not um, not making it a distraction on his communication. Well, and, and I think it's it also goes back to, you know, you go to the upper room with Jesus and his disciples, right? And and um, he, he bends down and he wants to wash their feet. And what is... Peter say, well, no, wash all of me. And he says, you don't need to have all of you wash because you're already clean. And so we're, we're just washing those feet. Um, I think there's there's the, the reality that we're talking in the sphere of these are God's chosen people. He has made them holy by his word already. He has interacted with them. So now what we are getting is we are getting the setting apart for something special. Um, and, and, and we have... In our society, I think we have lost track of the special, and we have taken common and ordinary things, and we said, "Well, this is all there is." And and yes, like we had and in previous conversations when we introduced the book of Leviticus, the whole entire book deals with common and ordinary things. But but you can have common and ordinary things that are clean, and and they're 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 sanctified for God, and they're His people. But that doesn't make them holy things. They're, 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 so what God is now doing is he's, he's setting apart the people, the, the Aaron and his, his sons, and he's saying, yes, you are, you are people, you're sinners. Yes, you're clean already because I have, I, I've, I've made you so. I am now setting you apart for a holy purpose uh, and, and separate from everyone else. Oh, I was thinking of uh, perhaps just the idea of this is symbolism. This isn't the actual thing that makes them clean. The right. Actual, actual blood putting on the ear isn't actually making them clean because then you would theoretically need the whole thing. Jesus washing the disciples' feet doesn't actually make them clean. It's a symbol for Jesus taking care of all of their sin. So uh, don't uh, don't make this, the symbol into the actual. But but we got to be careful and say that, that even though it is a symbol, it is also um, very sacramental. It is performing what it is saying, that what God is saying it's going to do. And, and I think that's that. Yeah, the that, power lies in the word behind it, not necessarily in the act, activity. Yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, we would still say that, that you know, when we baptize a child and we, we take a little bit of water and we pour three times on their head in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're like, well, you didn't wash the whole child. You didn't dunk them under. Um, no, we didn't, but that doesn't mean that it didn't do what the word said it was to do. Um, and, and so, yes, there's the, there's the symbolism and the use of the element, but the power comes from the word, not in the overuse of the element. Um, and, and there is that beauty there, but there's also just the reality in the conversation of the whole greater scheme of Leviticus that God is stepping in and he is giving grades of, of uh, setting apart the, the grades. So, Again, coming back to that idea of what makes Aaron and his sons special and unique is God's responsibility to perform for the people now placed upon them. So, so in other words, what, what is making Aaron and his sons unique is, is God is calling them to a higher responsibility. 
and he's he is equipping them to to take on this responsibility and so he's acting and he's acting through the sacrifice he's acting through the washing he's acting through the clothing where he takes Moses his prophet and he and he is acting through Moses and and Aaron isn't dressing himself Moses is dressing him Aaron isn't isn't sacrificing for himself Moses is sacrificing um for him and so God is working through that and so God is empowering them now to take on a totally different role and we see a correlation in the New Testament where uh, the God is the one who calls us not the other way around we don't uh, we think of this when it comes to a pastor is that the call seeks the man, not the man, the call. Just the idea of God is the one that uh, is finding these the, the the guys to fill his positions or finding the people to fill uh, the callings that he has. And he is the one that begins it, and he is the one who uh, carries it through. The individual person does not deserve anything from God. Any, any pastor that you have, you might look at them and say, oh, that person really should be a pastor. I remember as a high school High school kid, where we're, um, you know, people said there's only two. Uh, the story is, I was a dishwasher at a supper club, and there was a, a another dish, fellow dishwasher who was uh, Catholic, and he said there's only two people that don't sin in the world: the Pope and Dave. And I had to disagree with him on <laughs> on, on both on both accounts. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, it's not the, I just had it, to do that. Right. It's it's not the person that uh, makes the position it's the the lord who calls you into that well and and let's let's follow this in and make and 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 you were talking about your life um and and how it interacted with you in the comment but let's let's bring it into the idea of talking about the the pastors of today right so I, i think one of the things that that sometimes people can get in their head is that their pastor is somehow more holy or different than they are and they're not they're they're people just like the regular congregation. The only difference is, is that God has now called them to a higher responsibility within the congregation. Um, through the congregation, the Lord has placed upon them a higher call to to have this greater responsibility over the spiritual life of the people, to to be the the one who administers the sacrament, um, <clears throat> which we would say in in the way of 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 Old Testament to do the sacrifices which is administering the sacrament, right, for the people. Um, we are sharing, this is God's God's choice to work through these means. I am doing this on God's behalf for you so that you gain the benefit. And now could all of the, could all of the believers do this? Sure. I mean, look at, look at uh, Abraham, right? He did. Isaac did. Um, Noah did go way back. Um, Moses did. Um, but what is the Lord now doing? The Lord is saying, I am going to set apart I'm making a class of workers who will do this and be trained to do this on my behalf. And, and, and we have this in the church, which is a beautiful thing, is, is we have training for pastors who aren't pastors until God calls them through the congregation. I mean, you could go to school and say, I want to become a pastor, but you're not a pastor just because you want to become a pastor. You're a pastor because God calls you through the congregation and places the responsibility upon you. And then you come into the congregation and we have this installation service. And And sometimes installation services are very well attended and sometimes they're not very well attended. And and people are like, well, what's the point? Well, the point is, is God's people through that service are acting as Moses in many ways and placing the responsibility of administration of the sacraments and the preaching of God's word among the people now onto that pastor amongst them and in their presence. That's an important thing because otherwise technically that guy can do nothing. He, he, he has no bearing in that congregation at all. Um, but because of that installation, because of the, the congregation through God's word and by God's call as they administer and have the right to, to, to administer the, the ministry of the word, now are giving this authority to the pastor to do this work. And so then they begin to do this work, which is exactly what we see in Leviticus. They are ordained. They go through this process. God confers on them this call to stand before the people and now in chapter 9, they begin to serve, right? So, so they're ready, and now they, they have their first divine service. They get to, it's, it's always the excitement of, it's pastor's first service. Our new pastor's preaching. And, and here you go, right? And, yeah. and how great, I'm just going to say this, uh, chapter 9 is the, is the first divine service. 
and they have a guest. Oh, I was just gonna say the the cows used, and the, there was there was no cows initial, used in the in, in the, the creation. <laughs> no, 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 no. The cows used in this initial service of Aaron and his sons. Would you not say that they were legendary? I was not queued up for that one, but I should have been. <laughs> I was I thought you were going to go. There were no cows harmed in the making of this first service. I was going to say, no, there no, were. Uh, actually, there were. <laughs> but no, I, I think what we yeah, have special, here. Yeah, talk about the special visitor because you want to talk about them. I do, but I'm, I am I don't want to rush to the end of Chapter 9. I, I want to go through Chapter 9 because Chapter 9 has the steps, right? So we have the, the first we have, have um, which which is going to harken back to to the book of Hebrews, where first the, the priests have to make sacrifice for themselves. Um, and so there's this continual um, reality that, that God's called workers are not perfect. God's called workers are not Christ. And so they must also be forgiven before they have an opportunity to then come and, and participate in this service. Please remember that, dear listener. Your, your called workers are not perfect. I, I know we live in glass houses and everyone thinks that, that we should be, but we're not. We make mistakes and, and we are sinners and we also need to be forgiven. And hear that pronounced from the lips of God's people um, and, and from the lips of our Lord through the sacrament. So how wonderful is it when, when our, our uh, elders, uh, those of the congregation who have also been called to serve, come and, and give to us the sacrament and say to our ears, you are forgiven, right? Here is the body of Christ for you. Um, and so you have that same thing where you have the, the priests now, they're sharing that amongst themselves, the sacrament, first for, for, for their sin. And then they, they turn and they take this offering of the people and they perform, um, uh, they administer, I shouldn't say perform, administer the sacrament on behalf of the people um, as, as then the, the Lord shares. I don't know. Before we get to the end, is there anything else that you kind of kind of have in, in nine? I just that all of the sacrifices that we talked about in the previous podcast were mentioned in this first day. So there, it's not just sin offerings being done, but also the fellowship offerings and the whole burnt offering. So just this idea of the the family that God has created is is celebrating the fact that they are with God and God is with them. Yeah, and and uh, and 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 highlighting the end, right? God is with them is really at the end of chapter nine, because what happens? Well, starting in verse 22, it says, then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people, blessed them. So this is ironic blessing, right? After he had presented the sin offering, um, the whole burnt offering, the fellowship offering, he came down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. So we have God now present, and and something awesome happens. Fire came down out uh, from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat pieces on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and they fell on their faces. Um, you know, sometimes I think you know that the next time He'll do this, the next time that the Lord will appear and and eat up the offering, is going to be on Mount Carmel. When, when he's called down and says, you know, so that the people may know that you are God, <laughs> you know, come and burn up this offering. Yeah, that's the story of Elijah. I like, you like that story because Elijah's pretty snarky with the uh, false prophets and priests. Uh, but the idea, Elijah uh, uh, does a, uh, a call out. It's a battle of the gods on Mount Carmel. He says to um, Jezebel and their priest, bring your priest up to here. We're going to have two sacrifices, one I'm going to have a sacrifice. You guys have a sacrifice. Put the animal on the altar, but then your God has to bring fire. And so then the priest, the false priests, the priests of Baal, uh, spent a good share of the morning trying to get their God's attention, and then Elijah taunts them. Um, you know, maybe that maybe your God's on the toilet, and maybe you need to uh, wake him up, and maybe he's sleeping, and all of those things. And nothing happens. They mutilate themselves, which is pretty sad uh, how how the religions of the world, they think that's how you get God's attention by uh, harming yourself, harming yourself. And uh, nothing happens. The, um, Elijah does his, puts his on the altar, but then he says, oh, wait, 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 I'm going to give myself a handicap. 
I'm going to pour a bunch of water on it. So there's tons of water that's being poured on the animal and on the altar, and so much so that it, it fills up a trench that's around the, the uh, his, around the altar. Calls to the Lord, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if he, he did, did he even finish his prayer, and but immediately, either immediately or in the middle of his prayer, fire comes from heaven and consumes the altar, consumes the sacrifice, consumes all the water, and, and burns it all up. Yeah, and, and I guess the only connection that I make there is because we that's like the, the two times in Scripture where the Lord comes down and, and takes up the offering, right, um, in this way, where where um, you see this in the inauguration and in the first divine service and, and God placing his seal of approval on, on how he is going to bring his grace to his people and continue to keep them in his presence. Again, we have the um, we have the, the the conversation in the first nine chapters of Leviticus. We really have um, and and we have been focusing entirely, predominantly on on holy things, clean and ordinary things, and 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 what God is doing to preserve them in that. And and I think that is just beautiful, and how the Lord, um, he he approves of, of this, for his people, and so he's there, and, and so he he his presence is known, and and that's kind of neat. It is neat, uh, and then it's sad because chapter ten begins with a face palm with, uh, um, Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu uh, take the incense and they do what is called a, um unauthorized fire well and, and that's always how that is uh, described in the bible the unauthorized fire so what is it is it because they were they were inebriated do they have something to drink because now that afterwards god says you can't have wine or beer before while you are functioning is it because of um the timing of the day which doesn't seem like that's the case because why would it be called an unauthorized fire if it's the, at the wrong time but in the in 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 summary, or if you want to look at it in the big picture, they were not doing the incense the way the Lord prescribed, and so that's the problem: is that these they, that God reveals Himself and says, "Here am I. We're among each other. We're this beautiful family." And then Nadab and Abihu says, "Oh, that's great. Now we're going to do things the way that we want to do it, rather than the way that God wants to do it." And God puts the kibosh on that rather severely. Well, and and it's almost to the effect that, and 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 I'm not trying to read into it, but it's almost to the idea of, well, God is loving, and He'll let me do what I want to do anyway, and 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 I can almost, you know, in, and, improve upon God. Yeah, right? I can improve upon God. Um, and it's interesting. I've had these conversations with people, and I've had this conversation with my own mother at times as well. Um, she's very, very, very much a. Um, traditionalist when it comes to worship and and sometimes overly so because she's like this is how it's been this is how it god's people have worshiped why are you messing with it um you know that's not appropriate um to the point with the change of the new hymnal you know they messed with a tune i refuse to sing it because that's not the way it's you know and i'm not saying let's go that far but i can understand both sides of this argument where where you know the western right that we have within the in in most of our Lutheran churches, the Western Rite is is has held the church together for thousands of years. Even starting back here with the divine service, that there is a rite, there is a a a process by which we are sharing God's word. We are inundated with God's word, His forgiveness of sins, His means of grace, um, and this pattern is given for the purpose of that. When anybody leaves, no matter what how bad the sermon was or how good the sermon was, no matter what point of the service you're in, you are going to get what you need for your salvation and and you will not leave empty-handed you will leave well fed um and 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 so the western right is essentially made that way and and when you go and and you have people who have messed with it and throw it out and say you know we're just going to do whatever we want there's almost that sense of how is how is this god working for you how is that working when you take what God has 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 shown and you have thrown it out? And, and you almost get that sense here in, in Leviticus, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm responding to that, pushing back just a little bit. As much as I love the Western Rite, 
it's not the same as the Old Testament rites. I don't think that's what you're saying, that it's not the same, but just the idea of the reaction of God's people to when you change something, why are you doing it? Are you doing it just for the sake of change? Are you thinking that you can improve upon this? Sure, the, uh, the, the liturgy that we use has been tweaked over time based on God's preferences. For example, one way that it's been tweaked for the better uh, in our in our denomination was the singing of the psalms. So I, I was my one of the congregations I used to serve still used the the TLH. And yes, you could sing the psalms in the TLH, but it was not the common practice. Uh, so when I got there, you know, they said we use the 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 TLH, the Lutheran hymnal, the old hymnal. And I'm like, oh, okay. Do you now use? the twice old hymnal. Yeah, now the twice old hymnal. And uh, I said, oh, do you guys sing the intro it and all that? No, no, we don't do that. And I was like and. And as a kid, I don't remember singing the Psalms either. We read the Psalms responsibly, but we didn't sing them. But we tweaked it. We, we tweaked our worship services in the new hymnal uh, to sing the Psalms. And now in the new, new hymnal, there, there's tons of options to sing the Psalms. So there's there's all kinds of tweaking going on. But why it, the uh, the reaction is should not be of one of Nadab and Abihu. Oh, they're bringing the strange fire. We should instantly reject it because it's new. However, it's the, it's the balance, isn't it? The idea of if something is new, why are you doing it? And what is the purpose behind it? Is it just because you, you're bored with the old and you don't uh, appreciate the old anymore? Or is it because you're, you're seeking to tweak and enhance the worship that's already there? Right. And, and I think you get that idea, though, that the, you know this worship hasn't been enacted for that long and they're already tweaking it. Um, I mean, that's, I think, where, where some of this comes in is... is you know, you haven't had an opportunity to grow with it yet, and you're already thinking I can make it better. And and, and I, there is something to be said about, you know, let God's word stand, and and it, you know it will it will produce what it needs to produce when it needs to produce it. Uh, it is interesting though to talk about um, um, not according to His command, um, and and you kind of had brought it up, and you kind of had what what, what command. So, you know, is it the mixture? Is it the time of day? Is it they were burning it in the wrong place? Uh, you know, those are all the questions, but, but really, you know, I think that's the focal point, right? That the fire was unauthorized because it was against God's practice for the people. Yeah, maybe we should back up again. Why incense? What is the symbolic, the symbolism behind incense? The incense is always just a, a symbol of the prayer of God's people going up to God. Uh, that's the reason why they, they, they did the incense. And some, uh, even in Lutheran churches today, still use incense, just that reminder uh, to God's people that our prayer is something that is going up, up to God. And Regardless of what time of day it was, whether their be, what their behavior was, it goes back to what we said before: is that they weren't doing it the way that the Lord prescribed it. They're already trying to tweak something that they haven't even quite learned yet. Because uh, if this is just a, a recent thing, the Lord sends this unauthor um, sends fire, consumes them, uh, burns them up, and then the family of Aaron has to go take these bodies outside of the 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 uh, the the presence of the, of the Lord as we talked about uh, two podcasts ago how you know the closer you get to God the more uh, the more things the more you're consecrated then the, the more you move away from God you know the outside the tent is outside the camp is like as, as furthest as you could go to and uh, so with these bodies of Nadab and Abihu they're dragged all the way outside the camp uh, to be buried what I find fascinating is that statement of Aaron remaining silent the idea of Aaron is put in this precarious situation where he has to choose God over his two boys he has to choose being a high priest over his two boys this is what we would call someone carrying their cross uh, that they have he's made he's put in the situation where he has to choose God over his own self over his own mourning over his own everything uh, because He's got to pick God first. Well, and, and how difficult that is. And I think it goes even a little bit beyond that. And and this is maybe speaks to our parents too. Um, notice in in verse three, right before right before we have an Aaron remain silent, Moses <clears throat> shares the Lord's words, right? And he says uh, essentially, "Thus says the Lord." And and so, 
the Lord is going to answer the unspoken question of Aaron, which is, why did my kids die? And the Lord answers it, and he says, I must be treated as holy by those who are near me. I will be glorified in the sight of all the people. <clears throat> um, it, it's it's like one of those situations where where Aaron is forced now, yes, not only to make a choice between the service of the Lord and his family, but to recognize my kids were sinners. And, and, and as awesome as that was that I got to serve with them, as awesome as it was, you know, um, that, that I, that, that they were, they were with me and, and ordained to do this. Um, they were sinners and they didn't watch it and, and, and they didn't take that seriously that, the that they themselves were sinners standing before a holy God in the ministry of the Holy Lord. And maybe there is a part of that, that, that our parents need to realize that, you know, cause we live in a society where, where, you know, parents look at their kids and they're like, they walk on water. I mean, that, that kids are, everyone else is wrong. My kid isn't right. And, and maybe it's the realization. No, my, my kid is wrong and does make mistakes. And that just as I need forgiveness, they need forgiveness because they're sinners too. And, and when someone comes up and says, you know, your son or your daughter did, the first reaction shouldn't be, uh-uh. Maybe it should be remaining silent and, and considering a little bit, maybe they're right. And then to also to realize that, and that maybe when your children are in church, you know, and, and some of you have maybe sat in church said, I don't want to bring my children to church because all they do is make noise and I'm going to distract all these other people. Maybe that's the opportunity for you to come to church and, and teach them what it's like to be before a holy Lord and, and, and for them to learn what it is like to sit before a holy Lord. Um, and I'm not saying that you're never going to have a problem because we're sinners and, and kids do make noise and it gets long and I get it. But they're never going to learn how to be in front of a holy God who serves them um, because he loves them unless you bring them. And, and we have that playing into this as well, right? Um, now, why did, why did they make it? Why did, why did Aaron's sons die? Well, they were in a position of a high calling. And it seems to be they made a mockery of the holy things of God. And, and so now you, now you know what the result of that is. Um, and that hurts Aaron a lot. It really does. Um, Moses seems very insensitive to it, very, very insensitive to the whole thing, um, which kind of is a crud deal. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah, it, I I really have a lot more respect for Aaron because oftentimes when you think of Aaron, you think of he's the guy who came up with the golden calf. He lied to Moses. He said, oh, they threw all the gold into the fire and all pops this golden calf when it was, in fact, Aaron, the one that built that uh, golden calf. But Isn't Aaron I, the oldest one too? Yeah, he's older than Moses. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's all kinds of uh, possible family friction that is in between the lines in in the Bible here. But I really appreciate toward the end of the chapter when Moses is is chiding Aaron for not eating the food from the the sin offering, and Moses, uh, you know, is saying you should do this. You should be. You should be. You should have learned your lesson, Aaron, and your brothers. That you got to do these things to the glory of God. You got to do everything according to the letter of the law. And how Aaron and and uh, his two remaining boys uh, come to the conclusion that um, they uh, let's see how does that go? Um, oh, Aaron replies. Even though they presented their sin offering and whole burnt offering in the Lord's presence today, such things have happened to me. Such things have happened to me. Just you can just so much he's lost his two older sons and he just says such thing you can see this is a guy who's trying to rein it in who's trying to 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 face the fact that he has chosen god over his own children uh serving the lord is more important to aaron than his own children even grieving his own children that he had raised um would the lord have approved if i had eaten the sin offering today so um we i I, I didn't uh, explain this very well, but mo not only your mention of Moses not being very caring, Aaron is silent. Moses heaps on it and says to him, you, you shouldn't have any outward sign of grieving. But here it appears that Aaron and his and his sons used fasting as their sign of grieving. It didn't seem appropriate to them to eat 
on the day when they had lost two of their, well, their loved ones. And I wonder, and, and this is conjecture maybe on my part, but I wonder if Aaron in his comment, and I'm just rereading that comment in, in verse 19 of 10, was Aaron really saying, Aaron Aaron finally gets pushed to the limit with Moses. And he says, I, I get it. I had to, We have to do our job. I, I, I understand that. But right now, in this in this case, right here, I'm not sorry for the feelings that I have. I know they're wrong. I know they're wrong. I, 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 I get it. God is just. That doesn't make that doesn't take away my feelings that I'm having right now. And would God would God have been okay for me to offer a sin offering and partake in the sin offering as if I was sorry and repentant of how I'm feeling when I'm not at this stage of the game? And I wonder if there's some of that. I mean, it's it's that it's because it, there's there's and and this comes from my previous congregation that I served. The pastor who had been there um, lost his his child and um, to a, a trucking accident. And they would, and the congregation told me stories of how, for like a month or so, he just was angry, and and he would he would come in and he would he would do the things of church, but he didn't participate. Like he he struggled with receiving communion. He he and things like that. And 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 when the the elders would talk with him, it was, I'm angry. I I know it's wrong, but I'm angry. And, 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 and so he needed help working through that. Um, and he, he said, I, I can't in good conscience do these things knowing that I'm angry and I'm making a mockery of it myself. And I wonder if Aaron is in some of that way where he's, where, where, where Moses is pushing and pushing and pushing and Moses maybe is able to, to separate some of that. But Aaron's like, I, I can't right now. I'm, I, I understand they were wrong. I get it. I understand that they they sinned. I understand that. That doesn't take away I lost my children and I am angry too. You know? I, I, yeah. I I do like the idea that God in, even in this situation where he must be holy and he must be glorified is not God is not hesitant to remind Aaron and his boys that they are forgiven. So these are gifts that God says, here, you can eat from the sin offering. And, and, and that, um, I, I, I'm pushing back a little bit on, yeah, I understand when people are angry at the Lord, but to deprive yourself of God's gifts because you're angry is that it doesn't sit well with me because people will say, well, I just can't come to church because I'm angry. And, the fact that you are angry and then you deprive yourself of the one thing that's going to help you with that anger, I have a problem with that. Well, see, I'm not saying that they don't come to church because Aaron didn't stop coming before the Lord. Um, neither did his his other son stop coming before the Lord. I, I think in this particular this particular case, you have something that even the Lord himself talks about um, when he talks about coming to the altar and receiving the Lord's Supper. If you have a dispute with somebody... Um, leave your offering. Don't come. Go and reconcile, and then come, um, because the the idea of reconciling, the idea of 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 working through that, um, is the point of the sacrament. It, it, it that is the point of it. Now, I'm not saying that 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 it's not strengthening faith, and then it's not forgiving sins. It is absolutely hundred percent, absolutely. It is doing all of those things, but it's the reality of of the. The very sin that it seems to me, the very sin of his sons was they made a mockery of the holiness of God before the people. And it seems as if Aaron and his other two sons have learned that lesson and said, wait a second, we're now in a position where we are angry and everybody knows we're angry. We're hurting. And if we did this, we make a mockery before them as well. Because because we know that this is for the forgiveness of sins. We know that we should be joyful and 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 gladly accept us, and we are not joyful and glad right now. And, and I and and that doesn't mean that they didn't that they didn't participate or that they didn't administer um, uh, the sacrament in this way. But what they said is we cannot participate in this at this time. Not because our sins aren't forgiven. Not because our Lord doesn't love us. Not because of all these things. But because my heart isn't right at this time. And, and there is something to be said about that in human people. 
And, and yes, when you're in that stage, you, you should be in church to listen to God's grace to you. But, you know, if someone is struggling and they say, I am, I am so filled with rage right now that, that I cannot get over it. And that, and, and they, and sometimes a lot of times they think that that rage is justified. That anger is justified. And I guarantee you it's not. But if you are coming to the sacrament and you don't recognize your own sin, that you, you can take the sacrament to your own harm. And, and that's the same thing that I see in Aaron here. He recognizes if I do this, I, I can take it to my own harm because, because um, I, I am working through this right now. Yeah, I think that's too far to say that Aaron is afraid of what he would do. I think it's more in line of the fact of that he, he just says with everything else that has happened today, I'm just not into the whole forgiveness of sin, like the what that meant that I can I can enjoy this this food, enjoy this meat. I just don't feel like steaks today. It is what I get from it, not necessarily. Uh, I'm angry at God. Sense, maybe maybe I'm not reading enough into the into the text. Uh, I, I just well, and, and it might not be just that he's and and maybe I and maybe I did overstate and say okay maybe it's angry at God maybe he's angry at Moses, maybe he's angry at his own children, maybe he's just angry at the situation, but that anger is is a sinful thing and it is an unholy thing, and and until we can come to terms with it, you know there is, and sometimes we look at that anger and we justify it to ourselves and we say it's not a sin, but it is a sin. Because we are not righteous and holy like the Lord and always have righteous anger. A lot of our anger is tinted by the, the, the sinful thoughts that we have because we think we're right and that we are justified to, to have those feelings. In fact, we tell ourselves that all the time. I am, I am justified to feel this way, but you're not. And, and we have to work through that. Um, and the way we work through that is, is contact with God's word. I am not denying it. And, and, and it doesn't look like he shies away from contact with God's word. But he does shy away from the participation in this area. Yeah, the benefits of being a priest. Where right. He, it, that's the fasting aspect. He does his job as a priest. He does everything that God has required of him. But when God says, here, as a priest, here is my re- reward, my payment for you, Aaron says, I'm going to forego that just because of whatever whatever I'm going right. through right now. I, maybe he doesn't appreciate, uh, maybe he has, he's struggling with this and he wants as in a true fast and a true fast is one you're foc- you want to be focusing on God and what God has done for you not on what uh in- enjoying the pleasures of this world right uh, those fasting reminds us let's be thinking about God and what he has done for us maybe that's what uh, Moses is and doing. my need and, and my need and the idea of Aaron yeah. uh, struggling with his own uh grief that he he has he's he's committed himself to not expressing this in an outward fashion, but he wants to grieve as a human being. And he's, he, he's got, he looks at his options and says, you know, this, I'm not required. I, I, I'm, I'm given this food to eat, but right now I'm just, I'm going to abstain from doing that as part of my fast. Right. And I, and I think that is, and I, and I think we end up in the same spot, right? Which is, is, is in his freedom of forgiveness he is free to, to grieve and he is, he's, he is, he's not free to cut off the Lord <laughs> and he doesn't, but he's free to grieve and, and he's free to process this. Um, and, and I would say that we see this in, in church too. Um, sometimes we have people who normally would always come up for communion and one Sunday they don't. And, um, and our instant thought is, why aren't you coming up for communion? This is the greatest thing in the world. And it is, it truly is but maybe they're hurting or maybe they're processing something or maybe they, whatever the case may be. And, and I guess, I guess maybe the, the, the moral of what I read into this is don't go get bent out of shape when, when somebody maybe doesn't come up for communion one Sunday, when you offered communion on Sunday, but they were there in church, maybe get bent out of shape if they don't do it for a month and they're still there. And then maybe say, what's the problem? Um, but, but, you know, even I have, have as in my ministry withheld myself from the sacrament because I was, I was dealing with some things that I hadn't really fully thought out where my place was it 
or in it, and and there was things that I needed to confess that I wasn't ready to confess yet, or anger that I had that I wasn't ready to give up yet. Um, and and so, um, did I recognize God's grace for me? Yes. Did I recognize that I hadn't been struck dead in the service of the Lord? Yes. Um, but I also recognized that I couldn't partake of this because in my own heart, I would have been making it a mockery because I would have been looking at it and saying, yes, he forgives me all of my sins, except the one that I don't think I actually sinned in. And, and, and yet I did. Um, it, it goes back to the point that we have mentioned before, which the, in Leviticus is that these things are for us, not us for, for God. It, the, the, receiving the sacrament is not something that we have to do for God in order to keep up our that it's some activity in us that we have to do. This is God offering this to us. Here it is. Here is the forgiveness of sins in a way that you can taste and touch. Yes. Here, here this is for you. Uh, this and, and in the Old Testament as well. This, these sac- these offerings were meant for God's people. It didn't change God in any way. He did. God did not become stronger or less uh, glorious because they didn't do the sacrifices the right way. He will always be glorious. He will always be perfect. He will always be who he is despite what we are doing, the sac- the sacrifices and offerings and our devotion to God is for our benefit, not for God's. Yeah, and, and, and when you talk about how the Lord serves his people, this is why this is the divine service. This is, this, is not, this is not our worship to him, but that we're building him up, but him coming as, as the greatest and the creator of all and the one who is gracious and merciful— um, and he is saying, I want you to be with me. I don't want you just to be ordinary. I don't want you just to be common. I want you to be extraordinary. And, and I have made you to be extraordinary. And so I'm going to continue to provide what it takes for you to remain where I want you to be and, and where, where I have created you to be. And, and this is the beautiful thing. Um, we see it in, in Genesis, right? God created mankind to be the pinnacle of his creation and we fell. Um, and that he had every opportunity to say, I'm done and I'm going to wipe you out. But instead he reaches through time and space continually over and over and over again to bring us up, to, to, to put us back to where he wants us to be. And ultimately he points ahead to his son, Jesus. Ultimately he points ahead to, to his son and he says, I'm going to give the perfect one for the imperfect ones to make them righteous and holy in my sight um, and clothe them with my son and wash them um, in his blood and to put the blood of his, of my son on their right ear. And I'm going to put it on their, on, on their right thumb and I'm going to put it on their right big toe. And I'm going to invite them to eat of the, of the offering. And I'm going to invite them to serve. And um, I am going to, to do all of these things through my son who, who will enable them to, to live in my kingdom. So what we have here is the ordination of the priests. We have the inauguration of the divine service. And next week, what do we have? Next week it is uh, chapters, was it uh, 11 to 12? 11 to 16. 11 so, to 16. So the, we're talking about meats. All right. Well, then join us for next week as we hit 11 through 16. And may God richly bless you as you have an opportunity to gather around him and receive his sacrament and his grace and forgiveness in Christ.